If you would please, as we progress in Mark's gospel this morning, we are reading from Mark chapter 14, verses 26 through 31, 26 through 31. If you were in the adult Sunday school class this morning, you will see at least in the introduction of this message this morning, there will be a kind of parallel <laughs> to what uh, Elder Scott was referring to concerning the Gospels. Also, I want to make another note as we look at this passage this morning, we are going to project somewhat into the future of Mark's Gospel in many references as we now move towards the cross. And so we won't, we will be looking at this particular text, but also taking it into the future with respect to the prophetic word of Christ speaking here in the text. Listen carefully to the holy word of God for what the Bible says, God says, Mark 14, 26 through 31. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives, and Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. And after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though all, they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he said emphatically, even if, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, what a blessing it is that our Savior goes to the cross for our redemption. Help us to understand this path. Help us to understand what he endured for us and what he only could accomplish for us. Bless our hearts this very day, in Christ's name, amen. The Apostle Peter is very clear concerning how the inspiration of Scripture takes place in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21. No Scripture is ever given by virtue of man. It doesn't have its origin in man. But scripture only has its origin in God himself. However, as we know, God used humans as his agents to write his holy word to his people. It is only by the genius of God's own nature that God could take the distinct and unique personality 
of each writer of each book of scripture and at the same time preserve its continuity and central message as the blueprint that bears the name of God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit. One of the most interesting places to see where the Holy Spirit used the distinct and unique personality of each author is the four Gospels. Each Gospel has its origin in God. And yet through God's work with each author, each gospel gives to us a fresh and vivid look at Jesus' life through the eyes of each author. Today, this morning, we are going to continue looking at Mark. More specifically, we are going to look at Mark's vision of the path of Christ to the cross. This picture is very important because for Mark, as we have been accenting in the series at times, you must pass through Jesus' experience to and on the cross if you're going to truly understand who Jesus is. In Mark's picture, the picture that Mark provides for us concerning Jesus' journey to the cross is one of loneliness. Loneliness. The scene is before you in the text. The scene of our text occurs on the Mount of Olives. We have seen that the Mount of Olives is the place of Christ's residence during this week, this Passover week, and also this time in terms of going to the cross. Well, once again, we are told that he is at the Mount of Olives. This in itself has profound significance in the history of salvation. The Mount of Olives is only mentioned two times in the entire Old Testament. One is Zechariah chapter 14, verses 3 and following. The place of God's judgment. I made reference in passing to that with respect to the 13th chapter in terms of the judgment of God upon the Jewish temple and Jerusalem. But the situation in terms of what I want you to see this morning is a second reference of the Mount of Olives in the Old Testament, which occurs in the context of 2 Samuel 17. But the Mount of Olives, in terms of the residence of the situation, first appears in 2 Samuel 15.30 in reference to what is going on in the drama in the 17th chapter of 2 Samuel. In 2 Samuel 17, we have the story of David, Absalom, and a gentleman by the name of Ahithophel. You recall, you know who Absalom is. Absalom is David's son. He had set up a conspiracy in order to gain the allegiance of Israel against his father. 
because of the strength that the conspiracy had gained, David and his officials had to flee from Jerusalem. They had, David had to flee from the city of David. And where did he go? Where did he go? He goes to the Mount of Olives. But meanwhile, one of David's most trusted counselors had joined Absalom in his plot to overtake the throne. And his name is Ahithophel. But David also had infiltrated by a friend and a spy to give counsel to Absalom. And his name was Hushai. And when it came to inquire how to kill David, when Absalom sent to, wanted to figure out how he could kill him, Absalom took the advice of Hushai, which led to his own death by the providence of God, and he rejected the counsel of Ahithophel. And what is interesting here is this. Ahithophel felt betrayed, and he went out, and he hung himself. 2 Samuel 17, 23. Now watch the fascinating parallel. The fascinating parallel. Jesus leaves the city of David, Jerusalem. As there is a plot to capture and how to kill him. He leaves with his officials, if you will, his disciples, except one did not come. As David was at the Mount of Olives and being betrayed by his trusted official Ahithophel, so likewise Jesus was at the Mount of Olives and being betrayed by his trusted disciple Judas, like Ahithophel, who realized that he had been unfaithful to David and thus went out and he hung himself. Judas, who realized that he was unfaithful to Jesus, he also went out and hung himself. Matthew 27, verse 5, parallels 2 Samuel 17.23 Like David, the true son of David, Jesus Christ, came triumphantly to the cheers of his people just a couple of days earlier in terms of Palm Sunday as the streets were lined up in terms of celebrating his triumphal entry. But now, one who had entered so triumphantly into the city of David is now left alone. The crowds aren't with him. Jesus is by himself with his disciples here in our text at the Mount of Olives. But even one disciple is not there, Judas who is doing 
outdoing his sinful act. But as Jesus is now separated from the people and is alone with the disciples, Jesus makes a prophetic statement. Remember last week's message concerning Christ being a true prophet. You're going to see that continue here in our text this morning. Notice Christ's emphatic statement before you. You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Will be scattered. What you have before you is the prophetic, sure and sovereign word of God that is being spoken. It is the sovereign hand of God working. Notice the text. Who's the subject? God strikes the shepherd. The shepherd of my people, Israel. The true shepherd of the sheep. The scene is quite different here, isn't it, than maybe what we would think of. We do not have the picture of the shepherd leading his people in this statement. We do not see here that the shepherd is bringing forth, running after a stray lamb and bringing him home. We don't have that picture here in the text. And we do not have the shepherd carrying the sheep in his bosom as prophesied in Isaiah chapter 40. Those pictures are not here in terms of what Christ gives to the disciples. No, we see the shepherd being struck by the clear and permissive providential hand of God. The sheep, his son, will be struck by the hand of Israel and the Roman authorities. The world, in terms of their unbelief, will come down against the Christ. And the sheep, the disciples, they themselves, those who are actually handpicked by Jesus himself, they will be scattered. They will be scattered. They will all fall away. So says our Lord. Jesus will be alone by himself. He must face his God-controlled destiny by himself. The sheep will not be present. Their allegiance to him will not be found as the Christ is struck and hangs on that cursed tree alone. Alone. But one disciple. <laughs> you, you see him in the text, don't you? You're hearing him. 
There's one disciple who's so brash to make the claim that even if all fall away, I'm not going to fall away. <laughs> you won't find me falling away. Here we have Peter who continues to respond as he does so often to Christ's words with thoughtlessness, carelessness. If we can put it this way, plainly, Peter once again is sticking his foot in his mouth. <laughs> but Jesus responds with a clear and emphatic, prophetic, prophetic word. That tonight, before the rooster crows, Peter will disown Christ three times. Then all the disciples tried to make the same claim. <laughs> None of us are going to fall away. None of us are going to fall away. So the question in our mind here, in terms of Christ's prophetic words here, is Jesus a true prophet or a false prophet? What happens? And now at this point, this is why I said earlier in the message, in terms of our introduction, we now have to go forward. We want to go forward now at this point concerning his prophetic word. True prophet? False prophet. Well, when Jesus is in Gethsemane, his betrayer turns him over to the arresting crowd. And as they arrest Jesus and take him away, Mark is clear that everyone deserted him and fled. Chapter 14, verse 50. Everyone flees. Jesus is alone. Jesus' loneliness is so much at the focus of Mark's gospel that Mark alone records the story of a young man following Jesus. If you wish, go ahead in four, chapter 14, peer down to verses 51 and 52. There is this young man who is also following Jesus, but as he's following Jesus, they come and they cry, to, the, the, the resting crowd tries to grab him, and they grab him in the garments in his hand, and he flees naked into the night. I know what all the Bible studies say about this text. They all try to claim that this is John Mark. Has no issue here. That's not the issue. To sit and try to find out who this guy is. The issue is, is that Jesus is left alone. So alone that this man deserts into the night, naked, with his clothes in the hands of his captives or attempted captives. That's the issue. Jesus goes on trial before the Sanhedrin. He receives an unfair trial. But there is one disciple who's following him. 
It's Peter. <laughs> it's Peter. Is there any hope? Man, there's going to be one that's not going to desert him. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. The prophetic word of Christ comes true. Peter denies Christ three times. Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, Christ's words become true. Christ is a true prophet. Jesus faces the cross alone. Alone. So alone that Mark's gospel pictures no consolation for, for him. Mark tells us that those crucified with him heaped insults upon him. Chapter 15, verse 32. There is no mention about the thief and the cross coming to redemption in Mark's gospel. That's in Luke's gospel for an important reason in terms of Luke's understanding that Christ continues to work his salvation even as he is suffering on the cross. Mark has a different theme here concerning, concerning what's going on. That the woman who were close to Jesus during his ministry, they watched the crucifixion. Mark says in 15 verse 40, from a distance there is no mention in Mark's gospel that you will find in John's gospel of the women moving closer in which Christ will instruct his mother, a Peter concerning his mother. It's not that those things didn't happen. Mark is trying to focus upon the loneliness of Christ for us in terms of his redemption for us. In Mark, like Matthew, the two Gospels that have what we read and sung about this morning from Psalm 22, are the two Gospels that record the words, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? What's interesting here is this is the only reference in the entire gospel of Mark that Christ calls his heavenly father God. God. As he bears the sins of his people. His loneliness pointed out in Psalm 22, his loneliness is the descriptions of his groanings for deliverance. O congregation, the road of the suffering servant is so vivid in Mark, and we are going to see it. We'll come back to these passages when we come upon them 
in terms of accenting, but you see them now fitting in in terms of what Christ is prophesying concerning his life. For us, as the Son of God, he is Jesus Christ, says Mark chapter 1, verse 1. He is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The good news is here. The good news is here. He is the one who is prophesied. In Isaiah 53, he was despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hid their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our infirmities and the punishment that brought us peace, brought us peace, was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. After all, the disciples in Mark's story as they scatter, as they scatter, emulate the life of the church, the life of believers, also reflecting upon Isaiah 53, now verse 6. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. Now here it comes. You don't want to miss the gospel in the next phrase from Isaiah. And the Lord, the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. In light of the sin sinfulness of humanity, God's work of redemption was always done alone. Who came to Adam and Eve in sin? God. Who celebrated Abel in terms of his righteousness? God. Who brought the Israelites out of Egypt? God. God alone says. Now you're seeing that vivid picture that only Christ secures our redemption. 
is action all the way to the cross is that he is alone as he secures our redemption. As we finish the text there, we could be very sad and we could be very depressed in terms of Christ. Is there any hope Will Jesus bring his people unto himself yet? Or will he just die and nothing come forth from that? Oh, yes, there is. Go back to the text, 1428. You want to see the ray of hope in the text for all of us in terms of Christ's lonely path to the cross. But after I have risen, After I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Jesus is resurrected and he goes ahead of the disciples. His church, the foundation of his church, brings them unto himself in Galilee as is pointed out in chapter 16, verse 7. He gathers his people unto himself, whom he has redeemed with his blood and his righteousness. Yes, the pattern of Christ is written strongly in the Gospel of Mark the pattern of humiliation, suffering, loneliness, to exaltation, resurrection, and life forever. If you believe in Christ, you have the glorious death and resurrection of Jesus Christ in your heart through the Holy Spirit. Glorify him. Take note that he has done this for each of us alone, alone for our redemption. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we are so thankful for the path of Christ. Yes, how in Mark's gospel it points to the aspect of wilderness journey to pilgrim journey, humiliation, suffering, loneliness, to the path of exaltation. the church of Jesus Christ, the fellowship of the saints, the bride of Christ for his death and his resurrection are the power of our walk every single day in Christ's name.
Amen.